Woo, that made my eyes sweat a little bit. I just don't know if y'all have that. Sometimes it just happens in church. It's kind of crazy. Um, I feel like I say this every year, and the reason I say that is because it, it's true. Um, Christmas is one of the most difficult times to be a, a pastor and actually bring a message uh, on the calendar every year. Like pastors, we stress over Christmas and, and Easter. And there's a few reasons for that. So some of y'all, some of y'all, to be fair, I'm, I'm just calling it out. You haven't been here since Easter. And so, um, and I'm glad, or maybe you came and got a hoodie, but like, like hoodie and Easter. And so, so you're, you want a Christmas message and that's great. But when you, I've been doing ministry for over 30 years. So I've preached over 30 Christmas messages and the materials kind of limited. Like in the world, we find out, we, we keep discovering ways to make Christmas more complicated. When I was a kid, Christmas was simple. You put up the Christmas tree the day after you ate Thanksgiving. You only had one tree. You didn't have a tree in every room of the house and on the porch. And the car, listen, if you decorate your car, I just have a, I, I judge you in my heart. I do. I judge you. I judge you. Stop it. Um, literally, the other day I was pulling down the road and a, and a woman was trying to pull out. And I was going to let her out, and I discovered she had reindeer antlers on her car. And I said, nope, and I pulled forward. I, I did, I did, I did. I'm not godly, okay? <laughs> There's a surprise. Um, we, we, so we put up Christmas trees. And listen, I'm going to tell you all, the whole elf on the shelf thing is completely satanic. I think, I think it's jacked up. I think it's messed up. Because it's, it sounds fun until your kid, you got to wait on your kid to go to bed to find out where to put the elf for 25 nights. And see, with, a, with the whole doll thing, I grew up, when a doll was in the house, it wasn't an elf, it was Chucky. And when you got, when you got Chucky, I'm telling y'all, there's going to be a Christmas movie in a few years where the elf on the shelf freaks out and kills everybody in the family. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. It's complicated. We, we find out ways to be complicated. But when it comes to like the Christmas message, when you show up for Christmas, you want to hear a Christmas message. And we don't have a lot of material. There's four Gospels. Out of the four Gospels, only two of the Gospels tell us anything about the Christmas story. And it never changes. Like, none of you are going to leave today and go, shut the front door. There were shepherds. <laughs> Mary was a virgin. Stop it. There was a star and wise men. Like, the information is the same. So this year, I've got my Bible. I've got my pen. I've got my little my pad of paper and I'm writing down and I told God, I did. I don't know if you ever complained to God. I complain to God sometimes because I'm a crybaby and I was just like, God, it's the same story. It's the same story. You haven't changed the story and God spoke to my heart and he said, I haven't changed the story but I've changed you. And that's what I hope for everybody in this room today. God, God hasn't changed the Christmas story. But hopefully God has changed or is changing you. Because this Christmas is a very different Christmas for me. He's changing me. And it's, sometimes it's not easy when you go through that change. And sometimes, even though it, is, well, always, when it, even though it isn't easy, it always turns out for the good. Um, we, we've beautified the Christmas message. Um, we've talked about manger scenes before. And I found this. And there's just so much wrong with this. There's so many things. First of all, it's theologically inaccurate because the shepherds 
and the wise men were not there at the same time. Um, the little baby Jesus right here, I don't know if y'all can see this or not, but the little baby Jesus has his hands raised like he's charismatic. And I don't know if he was charismatic or Baptist. I have no idea. Um, the problem with this shepherd right here is this shepherd's focused on the sheep when they should be focused on Jesus. And I don't know what she's doing. I have no idea if this is an angel or some lady that had too much wine and got on top of the barn and put some wings on. I have no idea what's happening in this picture. But, but we, made, we made Christmas beautiful. We made Christmas this, we, we cleaned it up and we polished it up. And I want to promise you, I want to promise you, the first Christmas, there wasn't a lot of peace on earth and goodwill for men. The first Christmas, what things in the world were so complicated. In fact, we're going to walk through the first Christmas and I'm going to show you three types of people that Jesus came for. Now, what's awesome is me personally, I relate to every type of person I'm gonna list. And everybody in the room, I promise you, you will identify with at least one type of person on this list. And if you don't, um, well, you're fake. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm just gonna tell you. The first type of person that Jesus came for is the messy. The messy. Now, most of us know about messy because in the next 24 to 48 hours, we're gonna go hang out with some people that we call family. And we don't have to hang out with them until next year. And the only reason we're going this year is because somebody told us we're related by blood, but the, the, it's messy, isn't it? Sometimes it's messy. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to be in the middle of a mess. And the first Christmas was just a humongous mess. I want to show you the Christmas story, but I want to show it to you hopefully in a way that maybe you've never seen it before. Watch this. The Bible tells us in Luke, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. Now, Luke, why would you tell us that? Well, Oh, he also told us this, because Luke is very detailed. He said, he said, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everybody reading this text back in the day would have been like, oh, yeah, we remember that. We remember that. And then he said this, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Now, th stay with me for a second. There was a time in the history of this world where there was a government. This was the Roman government. This was the Roman Empire. Now, I know you're not going to believe this. The government was trying to figure out a way where they could get more money from the people in the form of taxes. Crazy, right? So, so the government figured out a system where it was really inconvenient for the people, but it was convenient for them. And so if you were born in a town, now this is in the ancient world, this was okay because typically the town you were born in was the town that you died in. But, but we're going to see in the story for, for for Joseph, this wasn't, this wasn't the case. But I wanna, I wanna just pause and say, when Jesus was born into the world, it was a political mess. You think we got a mess? And, and when Jesus was born, might made right. The strongest dominated the weak. Women and children had no say in society when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, there was so much political unrest. It was a humongous, giant political mess, and Jesus was born right in the middle of it. Now, what does that have to do with the day? I don't know. Probably we're the most politically messed up I've ever seen our country. 
Look, few amen. Stay with me. I'm okay with that. Because I ran into a guy the other day and we were talking about, he said, I love your church, but anytime you say but, it just canceled out the compliment. I love you, but you're ugly. Okay, I, I don't, okay, I can't, I can't handle the I love you part. He said, I love your church, but kind of wish you would stay away from the politics. And my response to him has been my response to everybody. The church has been unresponsive when it comes to politics for about 60 years. How's that working for us? We've stayed silent. And while we've stayed silent, suicide rate has increased, anxiety has increased, depression has increased, and the church is just like, we're going to sit over here in our corner and mind our little business and read our little Bibles when we have the authority and power to speak. Because listen, I believe Jesus heals from depression and heals from anxiety, and he can help people understand there's a reason to live. Why should the church be silent when we've got a message to bring to the world that's filled with hope and peace and joy? Can somebody explain that? To me, we got a political mess. I've got a new nickname for Washington D.C. I call it, I call it the nursing home. That's both sides of the aisle, by the way. It's a, it's a political mess, and I love the fact that even when when we watch the news, if you just watch the news and don't read your Bible, you will lose your mind. But Jesus was born in the middle of a political mess. There was another mess going on. Watch this. This is crazy. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, Luke includes some details that we, gotta, we just got to pay attention to. They started in Nazareth, and they're going to Bethlehem. They started in Nazareth, and they're going to Bethlehem. Let's, let's do this together. They started where? On one, two, three. One, they started where? One, two, three. And they're going to? Okay, that's not an easy trip. It is today. You hop in a car and drive from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a couple hours at most, depending on traffic. I've, I've done this trip. But they didn't have cars back then. In fact, the only method of transportation they had was like a camel or a donkey. And... And so that makes it a little bit more difficult. What even made it more difficult was this, that he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now, I, I need to ask the women a question. The reason I'm asking the women a question is because women are the only ones that can answer this. In fact, women that have had a baby. And if you've had a baby, you know. You know. You don't, well, I think I did. No, you, you've got it figured out. Ladies that have had a baby, let me ask you a question. I've been told by ladies who have had a baby that that last month of pregnancy is the most uncomfortable month of pregnancy. Is that, would that be correct, ladies? Would that be correct? Would that, husbands, would that be correct for you too as well, right? <laughs> You're at Ingalls again buying pickles at, at, two, at one o'clock in the morning. So I'm just saying, ladies, what if your husband came to you and said, Baby, I know you're due in two weeks, but I've got this, um, we've got to go on this trip. Uh, it's going to take us somewhere between 10 to 14 days to get there. Um, and I'm going to walk it, but I've arranged for you to ride a donkey. <laughs> There's not a woman in this room that would go, oh my God, you are the man of my dreams. <laughs> so Joseph put Mary on the donkey 
and she rode his ass from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's just, it's in the Bible. I'm just, it's in the, let me ask you a question. What condition was their marriage in by the time they got to Bethlehem? Were they exchanging like sweet little love notes or do you think they were about to get on each other's last nerve? The marriage was a mess. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here today and you're watching online and your marriage, well, it's a mess. I mean, you, you're putting on a show. You don't want anybody to know. But your marriage is a mess. And Jesus came right in the middle of it. Jesus doesn't run away from messy people. He comes straight to them. There's another mess going on too. There's a, another mess happening. And it had, to do, it had to do with where Jesus was born. Once again, we've glorified it. But, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in snuggly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And we all look at this and we're like, yes, that's so beautiful. No, no. When your, ladies, when your baby is born and, and people show up and they want to hold your baby, in today's world, you're like, you better sanitize your hands. Sanitize your hands. Um, step into this pressure washer. Put on this suit. Here's some gloves. We, we, want, agree, we want sanitary conditions for our children to be born in, yes or no? Okay, this was not sanitary. This was gross. This was a barn. Now, I know, I know in all our manger scenes, we got the little animals and little chickens smiling, little goats smiling, little donkey smiling. Nobody was smiling because the smell. I, I, was, I was at Cracker Barrel not too long ago, and for those of you that are brand new to the South and you don't know about Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel is where somebody had a yard sale and a restaurant broke out, and that's what it is. Got that triangle game that makes you feel like an idiot. Anyway, so I, I was at Cracker Barrel in the yard sale section waiting on my food or waiting to get sat, and I was noticing all the candles, all the scented candles, scented candles. Some of you men, your wife is into scented candles. And uh, Shannon, she'll get a candle, and she'll, she'll open it, and she sticks it right in my face and says, smell this. <laughs> Does any of your wives do that? Hey, side note, does any of your wife, she's ever eaten it? She's like, oh my God, this is so gross. Taste this. I'm like, what is happening right? Anyway, so she's like, smell this. I'm like, oh, what is that? And I never know. And she goes, it's, it's cotton candy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it is cotton candy. I have no idea if it's cotton candy. I just go with what she says. But I was thinking about this particular verse when I was looking at these candles because we're into these Christmas scented candles. And let me make you, let me make you a promise. If there was a candle that had the first Christmas scent in it, you wouldn't buy it. Maybe for a friend, but you wouldn't buy it. (laughs) And you definitely wouldn't light it because it was messy. Jesus was born in the the middle of a messy situation. And last but not least, last but not least, um, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks, of sheep. Now, shepherds, this is important. This is huge because when the original readers of Luke saw that there were shepherds involved, they were blown away. And let me tell you why. Shepherds were considered ceremonially unclean. 
They could not go to the temple. They could not be prayed for. They could not have their sins forgiven. Shepherds were those people. They were the dirty people. They couldn't go to church. Now, what's fascinating is that Jerusalem and Bethlehem are about six miles apart. They're six miles apart. So in Jerusalem was the temple and the rituals and the religious system. And in the field were shepherds who thought they had been forgotten by God. And don't you love how God bypassed the rules and the rituals and the religion and went straight to the shepherds to form a relationship because he is for messy people. And the reason I say that is because I hope somebody's encouraged because we're all a mess. We're, there's two types of people, the messy and those who are trying to pretend that they're not messy, but we all struggle with something. We all wrestle with something. We're all messy, but here's what's so beautiful about this whole mess that Jesus was born into. Out of the mess came a miracle. In fact, not, not only a miracle, but miracles, because see, Jesus was born of a virgin. That's a miracle. Jesus walked on water. That's a miracle. Jesus healed the sick. That's a miracle. Jesus came back from the dead. That's a miracle. And if he did miracles then, he can do it again. And if he did it for them, he can do it for us. And he will do it for us if we acknowledge the fact that we are in the mess. And we need a miracle. He still does miracles Today, aren't you glad? Now, the second type of person he came for, some of y'all are like, well, that, that got me. I, me too, me too, me too. I told a guy at the last service, he said, I relate to you because you're so messed up. <laughs> and I leaned in, I said, you're right, sir. I said, in fact, I'm the most messed up person in the room. And I mean that. I, I, that's the way I feel. So, so the messy really stood out to me, but the next one, the weak, this is, we're all, we're all weak, even though we try to pretend to be strong. Several years ago, I was in Europe um, visiting some friends and I asked a guy, I was like, is there a gym around here where I can go and I get a workout in? He was like, yeah. And he took me to this gym and they do everything's backwards in Europe. Um, it's just so messed up. And some of y'all are like, you shouldn't judge them. I'm, not saying, I'm just saying we do it right. <laughs> and so I walked in and typically in, here in America, we have, we have weights, like the weight plates, and they're like 45 pounds, 35 pounds, 25 pounds, 10 pounds, 5 pounds, 2 and a half pounds. They don't have pounds in Europe. They have, they have kilograms, and it's different. Pounds and kilograms are different. Y'all understand? Pounds and pound of pot, kilo of coke. Okay, okay. I just, I know my people. Some of y'all are offended, and some of y'all, I just connected with you on a level. You're like, how does he know? So kilograms, like the weight plates are heavier than the pounds. So I was put, I was loading the bar up, and I did my push-ups to kind of warm up, and I like to start off heavy. So I, I remember getting the bar and and pulling it out and lowering it down. And on the way down, I thought, this is about to go really bad. <laughs> and so it's on my chest and I discovered even in a foreign country, if you say American words loud enough, followed by other words that probably aren't in the Bible, you, people will come run and help you. I thought I could handle it. I thought I was strong enough to handle that weight, but I was weak. We're all weak. We all have a weakness. I told you a few weeks ago about my fascination with boom chicka pop popcorn. Remember that? Y'all, it's, it's gotten out of hand. 
I used to have, get a big bag and a big bag would last me for four nights. I'd eat a couple handfuls. Two nights ago, I had a whole bag. <laughs> I can't stop. I'm weak. I can't stop. And the, the reason I say that is because that's kind of like sin. We think we can handle it, but it gets to a place where we can't stop because we're weak. And you know, it takes somebody admitting that they're weak to actually find the strength to get past what they're dealing with. Because what God wants to do in us, we're not able to do it on our own. Think about Mary for just a second. The angel showed up and told Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary was like, but I've never slept with anybody, never been with anybody. How's that going to happen? You got a plan for that? See, because what God wanted to do in Mary, Mary was unable to do on her own. Because there's only been one virgin birth in the history of the world. But watch what the angel told her when Mary asked the question, how will this happen? The angel replied, now this is really the only answer you need, the Holy Spirit. See, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit brought Jesus back from the dead. So anything that we find that we struggle with and we're weak with, as we continue off of that, life, off of that area of our life over to the Holy Spirit, he gives us the strength to make it through. But the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Don't miss this because this blew my mind when I saw this. The angel's basically telling Mary, Mary, God wants to put something inside of you that only he can do. And it's gonna grow over time and it's gonna be uncomfortable and you're gonna start to show. But one day, it's gonna come out of you and when it comes out of you, it's going to change the world. And what he did for Mary, he wants to do for every one of us. He said, I want to put something inside of you that's going to take root and it's going to grow and it's going to make you uncomfortable and you're going to show. But when it comes out of you, it's going to change you and the world around you. It is so beautiful. Mary couldn't do that on her own though. She needed the power of God to pull that off, right? And then, then our boy Joseph. <laughs> All men in this room, I would, I would wager, mo, let's just say most men, let's say most men, most men in this room would probably consider yourself to be strong. Like strong enough to, I'm looking around, got a survey to make sure I'm getting this right. I'm pretty correct so far. Yep. Most men in this room, if you got in a fight, you could handle yourself. I'm looking at some men in this room, and I'm like, I don't think I want none of that. Uh-uh. Some of y'all look at I could take y'all. I ain't worried about it, but I'm not going to point y'all out. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> not trying to start a fight today. And if somebody, men, threatened our family, let's say, let's say somebody broke in your house tonight, and their intention was on harming your family. Well, there's some men in this room including myself, that we would be like, man, you made a bad decision because I'm about to open up a can of whoop. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? 
And if you're like me, I got 75 weapons within hand. I mean, I can, I've been waiting for that night. Like you have made a bad decision. Men, are you with me on this? You would fight for your family? Okay, but here's the problem. Let's say it wasn't a man that broke in your house tonight. Let's say it was the Navy SEALs. There's not a man in this room like, big deal, bring them. Nah, man, bro. I'm telling you right now, if the Navy SEALs come in your house, you're done. You'd be like, what? That's it. Yeah, they take you out with a dart in the neck. You're just like, you're, you're out. I know there's somebody in this room going, I, you are not John Wick, sir. That is a fiction. I know he caught bullets and ate them, but you cannot do that, right? Now, the reason I bring that up is because Joseph was a carpenter. Joseph was like a man's man. Joseph, Joseph could handle himself in a tussle. He was okay. But then Herod, Herod, who was the king, found out that Jesus was born, and he didn't have a problem with Jesus being born. He had a problem with the fact that people were calling Jesus king, and Herod didn't like that. So Herod ordered the military to go and kill all of the babies in that region that were two years old or younger. Can you fathom that a government would issue a mandate to murder children? Aren't you glad we've came so far in 2,000 years? Anyway, Joseph was strong, but he couldn't have fought the Roman soldiers. He couldn't have fought the military. He's a carpenter from Nazareth. My gosh, what do you expect out of this guy? So, so God knows that Joseph's weak and he can't do this. So watch what God does. After the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Joseph couldn't have fought, so, so God appeared to him and gave him the wisdom and the strength not, not to face, but not, not to fight and overcome, but to go through the storm and survive. Now, the reason I bring this up is because many times God, like we will, wanna, we will wanna take action and God says, no, 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 I actually want you to go to a place that's uncomfortable because it was uncomfortable for a Jewish person to be in Egypt because they had been enslaved there for qu quite a long time. God said, I want you to go to a place that's uncomfortable. But if you'll go to this place that's uncomfortable, while you're there, I'm gonna deliver you from what was trying to kill you. And there's some people in this room, listen, one of the most uncomfortable things that we could ever do in our lives is ask for help. And God's saying, if you'll do that, I'll take you through this place that's uncomfortable and get you to a place where ultimately I'll deliver you from. Now, Herod, he was weak too. How, how weak do you have to be to try to kill a baby? I mean, that's weak. Like, Herod was king, and he was threatened that there was another king in the area. See, Herod wanted to be his own king. He didn't want anybody over him telling him what to do, where to go, how to do it. Herod was king. He didn't want to submit to another king. Just like a lot of people, we, we, we don't want a relationship with Jesus because we, want, we don't want him to be our king. We don't want to do what he says. We don't want to listen to him. We don't want him to lead us. We want to do our own thing. 
So what happened to Herod? Because he resisted Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible tells us. Um, when Herod died, that's pretty much it. And this is what I've discovered. When we resist what God wants to do in us, spiritually, something dies inside of us. And God says, if you want to do life without me, fine. And, and something in us, and, and if you're here and you've resisted the Lord maybe this whole year and something has been dying inside of you, here's the good news. Jesus brings dead things back to life. We got two options. We got submission and we got opposition. And Mary and Joseph submitted and, and Herod opposed. And today, the only reason we know Herod's name is because he's a footnote in the story of our Savior and King named Jesus. Isn't that great? <laughs> Pastor P, you don't understand how weak I am. Yes, I do. But I also understand what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said, my power works best in weakness because when we are weak, he is strong. The third type of person that Jesus came for was the confused. Now, how many people in this room would say that you are a, don't raise your hand yet because I need to explain it, a planner? A planner is not somebody that says, we're going to go do this. That's a redneck. Um, <laughs> a planner is somebody you are type A. You have, you have color-coded calendars. You have to-do lists. You can start raising your hands now. Color-coded calendars, to-do lists. Okay, that, wow, we got a lot of lazy people here. Okay, how many people are sitting next to somebody that should be raising their hand right now but are not? How many people are sitting next to somebody that overdo it and, and you wish they would stop? Okay, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. Because you got some people like, at 2.42, we're gonna do this. At 2.47, you're like, oh my gosh, can we live? <laughs> now, I don't know this for a fact, but I would be willing to bet that Mary was a planner. Like, she had plans. Like, she was engaged to be Joseph. Or she was engaged to be married to Joseph. So she was engaged and she's like ready to get married. And I have never, ever met a woman that's about to get married that didn't have a plan. She was like, okay, we gotta do this. We gotta get the safe date cards out, which by the way, that's another complication that we've added. Back in the day, we used to call people. We're getting married Thursday at four o'clock. Y'all come, bring something, all right? That's how we used to do it, but it got to save the date. And oh my gosh, and she, she, I gotta get all the bridesmaids. All the bridesmaids had their dresses and they didn't complain, which that's right up there with Jesus walking on water, right? We all know that's a miracle. And she had the venue booked for the wedding and dad paid for it and went broke. And, and she, had, she had the Airbnb booked. I mean, she had this plan. She was gonna get, married to Joseph and it was going to be amazing and it was going to be awesome and then God showed up and interrupted her plan and did that whole thing where you're going to have a you're going to have a baby Mary you have a baby and and Mary Mary asked a question that I think is a great question she said um how can this happen I'm a virgin and she probably added, I don't know what happens in angel world, but see, in humans, there's a boy and there's a girl. And the boy has boy parts and the girl has girl parts. And then let, let me draw you a picture. In fact, look at this diagram. I'm just kidding. We're not, I, I just, I do that everyone's, just to make sure you're awake. We all know what 
has to happen for a baby to happen. And Mary was like, okay, this is gonna, it's gonna mess up my plans because see, first of all, we already got all this stuff booked and everything. Second of all, um, everything you're telling me sounds good, but I'm not sure other people are gonna buy the whole fact that we're having this conversation because they didn't have iPhones back then. Like she couldn't record it. She couldn't like upload it to YouTube, right? It was, it was awkward. God was interrupting her plans. And then after God got done explaining, or after the angel, God through the angel explained to Mary what was gonna happen, she uttered one of the most powerful prayers in the entire Bible. She said this in Luke chapter one, verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Mary understand everything? Yes or no? No. She didn't understand the what, but she knew the who. And because she, when you know that God is God and God is good, you can trust whatever he's doing in your life, even if it interrupts your plans and makes you completely uncomfortable. Hey, think about Joseph for a second. <laughs> Here's what you got to know about men and women. This is the marital advice. This is my Christmas present to all the singles in the room. If you're a girl, here's what you need to know about guys. Every guy's a jerk. There's no exceptions to that. Every man on the planet is a jerk, and you've just got to figure out what his jerk level is. Like, is he a two or a three? Because it's not going to change. There's a difference between being a jerk and being a mama's boy. That's a whole different conversation, whole different story. I'm talking like, like, Men, we get, we, get, we get angry, we get feisty, we get mad. And you just got to figure, is he a two, is he a three? Which, by the way, husbands, on the way home, don't ask your wife your number because it might just mess up your Christmas, all right? <laughs> you just got to figure out if you can live with that for the rest of your life. Ladies, I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth, that all men are a jerk. Now, single guys, that's what you need to know about all women. All women are crazy. <laughs> right? Y'all are so smart because the service last night, all the men were like, amen. I was like, yeah, y'all ain't getting what you wanted for Christmas. Like, that's not going to happen. No, I'm serious. All women are crazy. You just got to find out where they are on the crazy scale and figure out if you can live with that for the rest of your life. Are they a two, three, a nine, six? This, this is just speculation. This is speculation right here. I think Joseph was like, this Mary girl's pretty legit. People are like, where is she on the crazy scale? She's about a two or three. I think, she's, I think we're good. I think we're good. And then Mary gets visited by the angel and comes to see Joseph, who is not aware of the angelic conversation because he had not read the book of Luke because it had not been written yet. See, we read the Christmas story, and we're like, how could they be so closed-minded? Oh, I don't know. So let's say Joseph, he's in his carpentry shop, and Mary comes in, and she goes, um, Joseph, uh... So this thing happened. Just like, really? And she goes, yeah, I had an encounter with, with the Lord. Joseph puts his tools down. He's like, tell me about it. Well, is there an angel? Oh, an angel. And in his mind, he's thinking, we just went to a four. We just went to a four, maybe a four. <laughs> and, she, and she says, um, so uh, I'm going to have a baby. And... Um, while it's not yours, it's not anybody's. 
And Joseph is like, she just went to an eight. She just went to an eight. But then he had to ask, like, whose is it? And she goes, that's the funny thing. The Holy Spirit impregnated me. And Joseph went, she just went way past 10. Oh my God, this, what is happening? So, and by the way, men, if a woman comes to you with this story, you don't go, praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. You're like, you have lost your ever-loving mind. You, you expect me to believe that? Joseph didn't believe it. The Bible says Joseph was gonna break everything off. But here's what's really awesome about couples. God often, God will tell us the same thing, but he often tells us in different ways. Mary, the angel, showed up and spoke to her. But Joseph somehow went to sleep and watch what happened. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. God told him the same thing, just in a different location, a different place, and different time. And, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And, and this messed up Joseph's plans because Joseph didn't plan on raising a kid that wasn't his own. But he got to raise the son of God. Don't miss this. There are some people in this room just like Mary and just like Joseph, it would be fair to say, can we agree that their plans got interrupted, yes or no? Yeah. But you know what I've discovered about interruptions? Interruptions in our life are usually God's invitations to step out of our plans and step into his. See, God loved Mary and Joseph enough to interrupt their plans because see, if they would have followed through on their plans, they would have got married and they would have disappeared into history and we wouldn't even know their name. But because they said yes to something that was so unbelievable, it would take a miracle for it to happen because they said yes. And they let God, they, they, they didn't say this is an interruption. They said this is an invitation. And today we talk about them every year at Christmas. Our interruptions are often God's invitations. Step out of our plans and into his. And interruptions aren't fun. Some of us in this room, we are gonna have Christmas this year and somebody's not at the Christmas table that they were there last year. And it's an eruption and you didn't plan on it. And it, it's, it bothers you. Some of us are dealing with maybe an emotional con condition, anxiety, depression, worry, doubt, fear, and, and that wasn't in our plans. We didn't plan on that happening. Maybe somebody, as I alluded to earlier, the marriage is struggling and it's, it's the interruption that we didn't see coming. I'm like, why is this happening? Well, I get it. This Christmas is a little different for me. Um, in fact, it's very different. And I'll tell you why. Um, Shannon and I, we've been working on having a baby and it's been, it's been a process. We've been going through IVF and it's just, and I'm gonna tell you, she's one of the toughest people I know. She's done everything right. 
I'm the, I'm, I'm the guy, so I get to cheerlead. I'm like, good job, baby, good job. I'm going with her to her appointments and stuff. And, and about three weeks ago, on a Wednesday morning, she showed up. Um, she had already came to work, and I didn't know why she was back at the house. I'm, I'm sitting there getting ready to take the dogs outside, and she walks in, and she's holding this positive pregnancy test. And I'm like, oh, snap, hold on. I'm like, oh, snap, this is a, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I start thinking, because I'm 52. I'm like, baby, this is so amazing. Um, when our baby is born, you're going to get to push our baby in a stroller and my wheelchair at the same time. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. We can both have bibs on because we're both going to drool. You can feed us. And we started, we started doing that play, playful fight about names. She was like, oh, my gosh, if it's a boy you got to stop talking about Boaz from stage because everybody's going to call him Boaz no matter what we call him. I was like, that's the idea, baby. That's the idea. That's using a little influence right there. That's because uh, I want a Boaz. He's like, it sounds like a bully. I'm like, he will be. He will be a bully and it will be amazing. She's like, well, if we have a girl, we're naming her Oceans. I'm like, no, we're not because we don't smoke weed, okay? We are not naming a kid Ocean. We... <laughs> And we started like doing the Amazon thing, like cribs and like looking at, okay, planning this stuff out. And it was, I mean, getting me a dad again, that's just exciting. And then this past Wednesday, but Wednesday before that, we miscarried. And that wasn't in the plans. My plans this Christmas got interrupted. It was hard for her and it was hard for me because we did everything right. We, we thought we were on the right path. And as I was preparing for this Christmas message, I was going over these notes. And God spoke to me in this section and said, this right here, for you because if you're going to get up and tell people that my interruptions are actually my invitations and my plans are better than your plans and my ways are better than your ways see here's the deal it's one thing to get up here and say it it's another to be in the middle of it and still have the hurt and still know that God is God and God is good and to God be the glory. That, I wish, I wish I could promise you a pain-free life when you follow Jesus and I can't, but I can tell you this, there's not a better way to live. But see, See, it's not about me being strong or Shannon being strong because we're not. It's about us knowing this man named Jesus who's our Savior and who's our King. Who's our Savior and who's our King. Who has been our strength when we're weak. Who has helped us in this mess and who has promised us that he has better plans. That's why when I read the Christmas story this year, it's a little different when the angels, when the Bible says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks 
of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then he said this, the Savior. Our Savior, who saves us from the mess and who saves us from the confusion and saves us from the hurt and the doubt and the fear. Yes, the Messiah. Another word for Messiah is King. The Savior King. The Savior King. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. King, yes, he rules and reigns. And even when the world seems completely out of control, he still holds the whole world in his hands. And nothing happens to us that doesn't pass through his hands. And he will take all things and use them for his glory and our good. Because that's what a savior king does. So Jesus, as we pause over these next few moments, God, may we just silence our hearts before you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you came into a mess full of weak people who were incredibly confused. And out of that, you brought miracles. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our King. Over these next few moments, may we celebrate celebrate the great things you have done for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad he's a savior? Aren't you glad he is king? Father, I want to thank you today that this Christmas we can celebrate even in the middle of a mess, even in the middle of feeling weak, even in the middle of being confused, we can still celebrate because the tomb is empty, Jesus, and you are Savior and you are King. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, maybe, maybe today and you're, you're in the room or you're watching online and you, you are a mess. Or maybe you just feel incredibly weak or you're so confused as to why something has happened. This is a great opportunity right now to, to talk to the Lord about it. And just tell him what you're feeling and ask him for his help. There's others in the room that maybe you've never prayed to receive Christ. He's, he's somebody you know about, but he's not your savior and he's not your king. And today, well, the days of the day that changes because right where you stand right now today, you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Not to just get you into heaven. It's better than that. To be your savior and your king. I'm going to live my life for you, Jesus. I want you. Because when Jesus comes into our life, he power washes our soul and makes us a brand new person. And all our sins are forgiven. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the potential to overcome anything the world throws our way. So if you're here today and you want to pray to accept Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer from this stage. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat it out loud. Out loud. After me. We say it out loud here at Second Chance. 
Some of you are like, that's a bit intimidating. Well, don't worry about it because our whole Second Chance family, we say it out loud with you. We say it out loud for the benefit so, uh, of you knowing that you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, but you're supported by every single person in this room that's praying this prayer with you. So if you need to pray to receive Christ, you pray this with me in Second Chance family. Let's make sure they don't pray it alone. Right where you stand, just say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, I declare you as Savior. And I declare you as King. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. My head's still bowed and eyes still closed. If you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ into your life, before you leave today, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. So do me a favor. If you just prayed that prayer, would you hold your hand up in the air and hold it up really high because I want to make sure I see everybody so I can, amen. Just keep them up. Thank you, sir. Amen. Keep them up all over. Just put them up. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't just put them up. I want to pray. I want to make sure I see everybody. Hands all over the room, every service. God, this is amazing. Jesus, I want to thank you for every single person that just raised their hand, that just prayed to receive you. God, that they would walk out of this room knowing that today they are forgiven and that they can walk in freedom. They can have a hope and a peace and a joy that they've never experienced before. And for all of us in this room that declare you as Savior and declare you as King, may we walk out of this place knowing that you take all things and use them for your glory and our good. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. There you are the most high God and there is no one greater and there is no one higher. We thank you for this and we declare it in your name. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church on Christmas? Man, I love you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see y'all back for our New Year's party.